1: Blue liar Back to, to the last. Oh, by James. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton. Darius Garland.
0: Here comes Sexton. Some rhythm And he got it, young ball. Continues to wear him up. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland? Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With back-to-back road wins over the Detroit Pistons and Denver Nuggets, the Cavs have just as many road wins as they had all last season. And a big part of that has been the fantastic play of Darius Garland, as well as some good contributions from Colin Sexton. But to help me discuss... Darius Garland is one of his biggest critics, one of his biggest haters and doubters, Carter
1: Rodriguez. Papa Rod, how you doing? Welcome back. Nice to be back. That's exactly the kind of welcome that I would have uh, expected. <laughs> um, no, it's been uh, uh, of the things that uh, uh, fatherhood has taken from me, uh, ability to watch the Cavs actually is not one of those, uh, at least in the infant stage. Um she just sleeps on my chest while I watch the game. Uh, so I'm actually, uh, I, I, when, when I talked to you about taking the sabbatical, I was pretty concerned that I wouldn't know what the fuck I was talking about um, mm-hmm. when I got back. But actually, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to get some takes off.
0: That, that is fantastic to hear because I, I just don't know how you would do this podcast without watching Cavs games. You're welcome um, for the setup. the lob to jam like a garland lob to tristan thompson the that u.s very good
1: chemistry by the way
0: loving that absolutely loving that but before we launch into that do you want to let people know how how you've been doing let me know how you've been doing because you just ignore me How how's fatherhood treating you?
1: uh it's good um people weren't uh exaggerating when they said how hard it was but it's hard in ways that I don't think people all the way understand because it's not, you're not doing anything. Like that's the (laughs) thing. Like people, you kind of think that when you have the kid, you're going to be doing something, but like all she does is sleep, eat, burp, get changed and go back to sleep. Uh, Or like when she's awake, it's not like you're like running errands. Like she just got to like bounce her on your knee. So that's not, the The work is not hard i think it's the attention to detail that's hard and like mm-hmm. the just general like alertness you have to have is hard like because like obviously not sleeping is hard but like yeah. even on nights i get good sleep i'm still exhausted at the end of the day because like you know like for example like if i do get like a good three hour burst of sleep from her in her bassinet and if i wake up before she does in the middle of the night I go lunging at the bassinet to make sure she's still breathing.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Would you so, say that uh, you frequently feel sluggish?
1: I, I, I feel very sluggish um, right now. I'm a real slug. Uh, I'm living a slug life. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I, overall, I would say fatherhood is uh, worth it. Um, Kylie is a champ. Uh, had 23 hours of labor followed by an emergency C-section followed by 24 hours of vomiting every 30 minutes due to the result of her pain meds. So um, big shouts uh, to the wifey uh, who I've uh, abandoned to uh, rejoin this podcast. <laughs> so uh, uh, all the love in the world to my wife who uh, did all the hard stuff.
0: She's the champ and I'm that needy partner in your life that, that got you crawling back. Kind of our third. You know, as you're, uh, as you were talking and I kind of found that set up for that slug joke I had completely forgot about that that wasn't on the top of my head or for topics and that was actually one of those things where I was sitting there as it happened and I was like okay first of all this is frustrating as all living hell but I was like do is this something you do an emergency pod for is this something to throw up on or chase down premium feed um and I, I was really wrestling with what to do and what to say about it because it I mean, it's just such a, a unique situation and I'm going to throw the lob to you right off the bat here and, and kind of see what, what your thoughts are on this. Cause it hadn't been something that i had put in a ton of thought into, um, or at least I, I don't really have a lot of conclusions thought out in my head.
1: Who amongst us hasn't popped in a word that's original and, uh, you know, s- scrambled up the words in their brain. Um, I don't know, man. It's like a thing where it's like I probably, I think he probably meant to say slugs. Everyone says he jumbles words all the time. Uh, you know, you hear people say how fatigued he seems. Oh my god! Um, he's an old man. <laughs> he's definitely and, an old. And and you know the thing about old people. There's a reason we don't let them drive and stuff uh, after a certain point, because uh, th- everything starts to slip. and uh he's an old so i don't know like on one hand no it's it's very very bad that he did that but on the other it's like well he's so old and old people are going to make stupid slip-ups like that whether it's you know intentional or not like i do get the impression that this guy is fairly progressive for his age like he told me, i i read that He told Michigan players that he was completely okay with them kneeling during the National Anthem. um, Mm -hmm. He voted for Lincoln. Voted for Lincoln, who, as you know, was very anti-slavery. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you hear stuff that makes you think he's not, like, a bad dude. But also, it's just an embarrassing, like, needlessly bad look for both Beeline and the org. Like, it seems like the team is moving past it. Like, uh, everyone on record seems to have forgiven him. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I haven't done a lot of digging from people who know anything to know if that's actually the case or not. I mean, we already know that he wasn't super beloved by the team uh, right. in the first place. Uh, so, you know, maybe this, maybe this humanizing moment, uh, becomes something of a galvanizing force as he had to just be like, Hey guys, I'm sorry. Um, you know, sometimes having an authority figure humble himself is, is value in itself culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, But it it does feel like this is – I feel like this was a uh, – I agree with you that you couldn't quite tell if it was going to be a thing where we joked on Twitter about it for a day and moved on or, like, this was going to matter for a really long time. Yeah, and and I wanted to – It certainly feels like the former.
0: Yeah, I wanted to also see the quotes in the aftermath and and see how guys are handling this because I I certainly understand the the old point and, and all of that. The most important thing is how the players reacted to this. Whether yeah, it or not doesn't this, really
1: matter how we feel.
0: Right. It, it was whether or not this is something that they can overcome. Whether or not they have trust in him. And regardless of how significant you feel, because I, I think there's a wide range, of, uh, wide range of opinions on this. And putting that aside, the most important thing as a head coach is being able to relate to your players, being able to get that buy-in. And if this was something that they couldn't overcome, that was going to have to be something that the Cavs dealt with. Um, you, you can put everything else to the side and say, that's the most important thing. Cause you, you got your assistant coaches and your coordinators that call plays that help come up with the schemes and all that type of stuff. That's never on one person, but as a head coach, the responsibility of getting those guys engaged uh, earning their trust and all that—that that, that is your primary responsibility, and, and I do think that it is telling that you, you kind of had two of their best performances of the years, uh, the year against uh, Detroit and Denver. Um, so now, now that that is out of the way, because maybe there's still going to be more follow up with that and more fallout. It doesn't
1: well, seem like it, by the way.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that they've kind of moved past that. I do want to get to the fun things, which yeah. is, I'm, man, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this team. We're, they're starting to enter that territory that I ch- have tried so desperately to sell you on, Carter, which is fun bad. They, yep. Colin Sexton, for all his warts, he has improved this season. He drives me absolutely insane at times. And then he comes up with a big defensive play or a timely bucket when they absolutely needed one. He has improved this season from last season, even with the three-point shot kind of falling to the wayside there for a while. His efficiency is still up while his volume is up, and he's playing better defense. And the game against Denver, I feel, felt like that was the perfect display from the two young Cavs guards. And one of the biggest reasons why I loved it from Colin Sexton was he was kind of more in the JR role, where you're getting, to, you're getting the ball and you're making a quick decision, whether that be a, a jump shot. Obviously, he drives a little bit more than JR did, but he was very decisive and playing well off ball. Whereas in the past, I think he's been given too much responsibility. He's had the ball in his hands a little too much in kind of that ball-handling playmaking role. And I think that's where a lot of the tension has been with this team.
1: Yeah, I think that an interesting thing with Saxton, you know, I think we've been harder on him than just about anyone uh, this year, uh, is that it's all been style of play-related gripes. You know, we don't really mind his general package as a player. Like, we're fine with the speed. We're fine with the defense. We're fine with the general um, can-do attitude. Uh, It's just been the decision-making that's been really, really tough. And we are starting to see – I mean, at one point against the Nuggets – last night he was two for eight from the field yeah. and I thought Collins having a nice game and mm-hmm. I don't often think that Colin's having a nice game when he's two for eight <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like, no kidding like that's uh I I know I, I and more than anything I was surprised he had already gotten up eight shots I didn't feel like he was um monopolizing the offense so the fact that he was uh leading the team in shots after Uh, one and a half quarters or whatever it was, you know, normally that feels you feel every shot that he takes. And I I really wasn't feeling that. I think that, I think that the three point shot, I think maybe i am be, I was being a little unfair, um, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I tend to do when I'm feeling frustrated (laughs) with the team uh, to, to section with regards to how much the three point shot um, matters to him and how much I was like, even if it's still good, does it matter? Um, You know, uh, in the month of December, he only took two threes a game. He made 11% of them, mm-hmm. uh, in January so far, uh, he's taken 4.7 a game, uh, making 46.4% of them. Obviously that's going to go down, but yeah. the fact that he's getting threes up again and is actually making them, uh, to at a decent clip, he's got two, four of seven, three point shooting games, uh, in the month, uh, against Charlotte and then Denver. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of, that kind of stuff really matters. Um, it just felt like the role for him, and I think that when we kind of conceptualize what Sex Land was going to be as a backcourt, this is what we were looking to see. We were looking to see Garland be the lead initiator almost every single play, and Sexton being the second, third, fourth person to touch the ball on a possession, um, and be that possession ender, not the possession starter. And uh, especially against Denver, I, I don't know if that's necessarily been the case uh, in the other games, but. Mm-hmm. uh denver more than any game in his career i really think that that he looked like the player that we want him to be
0: yeah i i agree i i think that's what i really liked about the denver game even versus the detroit win uh which i thought he was very good in the detroit win as well there are moments that really frustrated me and i wanted him to sit at the end of the game and then sure enough he comes up with, with one of the biggest defensive plays of the game um and it's kind of that, that roller coaster ride. And um, I I love what you said there about him being the possession ender. Like, I, I think that that's how things are, are going to go if they're going to find that right balance. And, and that was also one of the things when Janning Fry took to Twitter and he was kind of airing some of his grievances with the Ooh, team, which Channing's been spicy. Yeah, which you can kind of assume are some of Love's as well. Um, yeah. I, I think that nothing,
1: that's will I'll say this. Um, and obviously, we love Channing Frye. Uh, obviously, we uh, know he is, a, you know, an outspoken, independent dude. I think it is fair to say that most things he's saying about this team come with some tacit approval from Love. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, think don't think, I, I don't think that Channing would put the team on blast without checking in with Love. I I genuinely think that. Or without hearing from
0: Love first uh, about initial gripes and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. a lot of this, uh, you know, I don't want to say they're one and the same because I feel like that kind of um, infantilizes Channing a little bit and Channing is his own person. But I do think their closeness matters with regards to the way Channing talks about the team.
0: Yeah, it's not like you and I, where if I say anything problematic, you guys can put all the blame on Carter that was fed to me by him. Space Um,
1: dash space CR.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, No, like that that was one of the biggest gripes was how much responsibility was given to him. And one of the things that I've talked about recently is that those that feel the way I feel, which is that Colin Sexton's eventual role in the NBA is going to be as a very good sixth man. Um I'm pretty confident that he has a pretty high floor as a scorer and he's someone that's going to have a long career. Um but the people that want to put him into that role right away and, and do that immediately, there has to be a viable replacement. There has to be somebody that has earned that starting spot. And just like with Sexton and really handling the ball and, and initiating a lot of the offense, there wasn't somebody that was ready to step up in that role. And I understand that Sexton not really making the most of that responsibility would be frustrating for the veterans, but it does seem now that Darius Garland is starting to get more of a handle of things and he, he's able to go out there and run the offense and the team legitimately feels like, like it's better when it's out when he's out there and he's initiating the offense, I feel like that really starts to kind of set a more natural hierarchy with this team.
1: Yeah. I mean, all this kind of is predicated on Garland not being bad at basketball. Yeah. And for big stretches of the year, he's been bad at basketball and, uh, you know the last five games or so. I mean, Mike Schmidt uh, just posted seventeen points, five and five point five assists, two point four turnovers. Those it it are the goes. It, you're looking. Sorry for. to
0: cut. Sorry to cut you off, but it does go a little bit back before that. So he had that nightmare game against Boston where he got hurt early, just did absolutely nothing, two point zero assists. Since that point, it's sixteen point three points and five point three assists with only two point four turnovers. So um over 16 points and five assists with very few turnovers for eight games now
1: yeah it's just everything's kind of starting to come together for him obviously uh you know there's still stuff to work on um you know you'll see a couple times i honestly think that three point uh, percentage could be much higher uh yeah. based on the the diet of t- shots he's taking like uh, there were a couple open ones where he just didn't get his feet under him against denver um mm-hmm. Uh, what did he shoot in that game two of nine from uh, uh yeah two of nine from three I'd, honestly could have been five of nine and this game could have been even uh could the altitude is real the altitude uh, yeah. is
0: very very real especially well, not, in second and when half. i
1: say like legs under him i don't mean like i mean literally his footwork was bad
0: yeah no, uh, i agree
1: um but like ultimately you're seeing him make the kind of patient reads um in in the pick and roll and and we talked about this earlier in the year where we said, hey, we think he's seeing good passes. Uh, he just can't make them all right now um, because he's not used to the length and speed of NBA defenders. Uh, you'll still see that. But all, all in all, I think he's doing much better at being patient and kind of getting uh, a much stronger sense of uh, – uh, hold on. <laughs> Hi, dear. Hold on, Justin. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no problem.
1: This is Millie. Hey, Millie. She pooped. As I was saying, it just feels like uh, Garland um, is able to kind of uh, not only see those passes, but let the play develop to make them properly and not get them picked off. Like sometimes he is feeling himself a little too much. There's that one play where he drove and tried to do uh, kind of a fancy dump off to Tristan in the dunker spot. and Gary Harris picked it off, but ultimately he's just playing a little bit more patiently. And I think that the Cavs are really starting to reap those dividends. And when he's able to, put up four, five, six, seven, eight assists, Um, all of a sudden it just becomes so much more palatable to have him starting every possession. Uh, And he's just playing the best basketball of his career, uh, simply put. I mean, I still don't love the floater as a general tool. I don't want him to over-rely on it when uh, he really is going to need to learn how to get to the basket or get to the foul line. Um, But I will say, I I remember you were uh, kind of bitching about his – the floaters he was practicing – In that one video, like a couple months ago, uh, about how they weren't at speed, they weren't in the right context. Like, a lot of his floaters early in the year were like really herky jerky, off balance, not high percentage um, floaters. Like, for the most part, these look a little more intentional. He's stepping into them uh, at pace. Um, So, if he is going to have a floater as part of his game, this is the way to do it. I just don't want him to fall too in love with it.
0: Yeah, what I like is. When he used to get by that first line of defense and get into the lane, it was almost an automatic that he was throwing up a floater. He just didn't seem to have any idea when. And now he's really showing his ability to keep the dribble alive. Like once he gets into the paint, he's keeping the dribble alive. He's got his head up. He's looking for the pass. He's kind of. Reading what the defense is doing, and then based on those reads, he'll he'll shoot like a nice set flo- floater if that's what they're giving him. Uh, he's making some really good passes in those situations. He's also doing the Steve Nash dribble back out of the key. Yeah. So it, it seems like the game is actually a lot slower to him. Yeah, and the and thing- by the
1: way, we know that that's the thing. They literally have been saying they want him to Nash it more often. That right. is not an accident. They've been the staff has been pushing him towards those kind of plays. Yeah,
0: and he looks a whole lot quicker out there. That, that's the other thing that really jumps out to me. Um, talked to a couple Denver people there last night, um, including uh, minuteman Dan on Twitter, who, who mentioned that uh, he just was blown away by how quick Garland was, which is so, not something you ever would have heard earlier in the season. Um, but what I really like from him in this stretch is, do you remember early on with Kyrie when he would get criticized for not passing him off? And he he would have a quarter where he's basically just passing and then he'd get his points. Then he'd get his assist, then he'd get his points. Garland seems to actually be making the right reads. Um, His assist percentage is higher than his usage right now. And it's basically just, what's the defense giving me? I'm going to take advantage of that. And right now, like, I, I do like his kind of, his profile, like I, I like when he's passing. I, I like when he's shooting. A lot of the decisions are really sound. Uh, half of his field goal attempts this season are from behind the line, um, the three point line that is, um, which is fun. I, I think that that percentage is going to go up, um, but it, it really does seem like he's starting to see the game a lot slower and figure things out.
1: Well, yeah, it's funny because you say he's fast and quick, like he's not objectively. He's not a good athlete. Uh, no, no, he's not. But- but decisive is quick, and um, and uh, you he's know, quick in, with his dis- dribble. Yeah, he, he's yeah. quick
0: in this in yeah. a similar way to like hands.
1: Uh But what I mean is, he's make there is he looks slow when he's indecisive when he doesn't know where he's, what his next step is, and more and more he knows what his next step is, and it's just really really valuable. I mean, and the thing I also love about his shot profile right now is he's starting to take those all, pull up threes. He doesn't need to get the switch and then step back. Those take so much more effort. Uh, they're easier yeah. to close off when guys know to overplay the shot. When he just pulls coming off a, of a high screen. Uh, now, he's not making those at as high of a clip as you'd think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that he's taking them, like, I actually love to see a two for nine night from three. Because that means he's taking the shots that are there because he knows they're good for him. Even if they're not falling right then and there.
0: Yeah, and he's a lot of fun when he has the ball in the string. Like the the little sidestep dribbles in. Like he's getting really creative with how he's generating those looks. It's not as you said
1: that. I mean, he put Mason Plumley in the blender like four different times last oh night. Oh my
0: god! I see. That's where he looks quick. Is you're you're right. When he's decisive and he's in complete control, that's where the basketball moves he does. The deceleration, the the crossovers, and, and just all the tricks that he has in his bag. Um, that's that's where it
1: really, really does jump out and And that's when he looks at his sharpest. Yeah, just really, really encouraging from him lately. I mean, I think teams like the Celtics of the world are going to make him look bad probably throughout this season. Mm-hmm. Um, there are just going to be straight bad matchups. But, you know, he acquitted himself pretty well against Chris Paul. Um, he has looked good the last couple games, uh, even with some tough matchups coming through. So uh you know i i just think that he's making a leap uh and this is about when you'd hope to see a leap uh from a guy like this uh this is the curve um and yeah i just i honestly uh you know it is funny we kind of talked about uh several months ago early on when he was really struggling we kind of talked about i asked you kind of what le- baseline of play do you need to see him hit uh to believe in his future yeah uh, if he maintains this uh, or even takes a 5% step back from this for the rest of the season, I think I'm going to feel okay.
0: Yeah. No, he, he made some simple adjustments that are significant. Um, he, he, a few real small changes that all add up to him looking a whole lot better, which is something that our listeners can do as well. Um, by no longer wearing awful untucked button downs that just don't fit right. They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way, Carter. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or your shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big ever again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off.
1: You know what we need to get a sponsor for? What do we need? sweatpants i was going i, I was going to guess been, that you said diapers i've been such a sweats sweats man the last uh three weeks <laughs> and i put on jeans to go to to dinner late recently or lunch it was yeah. the lunch because uh kylie's mom can't stepped in because can't take the baby anywhere early on um but uh i put on jeans and i was like what the fuck are we doing to ourselves <laughs>
0: What you need is the uh, the Canadian jeans where the, you have the denim on the outside and the sweatpants on the inside. Oh, my
1: God. That sounds great because it is just, I mean, it is just a nightmare. And I just, I just been living in such rel- relative comfort. I mean, the amount of gray in my life right now, Justin. <laughs> gray sweats and a gray hoodie. That's, Kylie, I don't think knows uh, what I look like in regular clothes at this point
0: man, you know what? It was a humbling experience to have you gone. Uh, cause I don't know what it was. Maybe, probably just a coincidence. But we had no sponsors when you were gone, Carter. That, yeah. that, that was tough. I, it, I learned that my voice alone is not, does, doesn't fit with monetization. It's a, it no, was a really, really no, tough they lesson. Must have,
1: they must've known that I was uh, stepping away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> any, any, any sweatpants, uh, uh, vendors, uh, you know, uh, me undies, I think they sell some sweats, uh, i i i'm ready i'm ready to take that on and uh proselytize for that um you know uh i'd love another shot at manscaped if they ever give us the chance um but uh in the meantime get me some sweats
0: <laughs> well at least you can get the the super soft flannels man I, I tuckett has got those the the flannel game i'm i'm a big flannel guy especially in the winter oh it's um, a stunner
1: yeah. <laughs> who would have thought
0: Oh, you, you might've, uh, you might've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Tough to, admit, tough to admit. Speaking of stoners, Kevin Love, um, has looked a little more engaged lately. Somebody had the, you need to stop being
1: a dick t- or we're not going to trade you talk.
0: Yeah. I, I think even Bobby Marks, um, had run where it was, yeah, Ke- Kevin Love is actively turning people off around the league, uh, when it comes to these little outbursts and, and Everything that he's pulling off behind the scenes, um, I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen uh, to the last podcast, but I, I brought up that I actually believe what he said because he said whether it's five weeks or five months, I, I'm bought in. And him saying that, as
1: long as I will go,
0: yeah, him setting that timeline uh, made me believe that he actually meant what he said because that is uh, that seems to be the window. And I don't know how you feel um it is really fun where we have games like uh denver and detroit here where he's a big big part of the reason why they're successful um we're going to get a lot worse when kevin love is not here even when he's pouty uh we will be worse without pouty love um but i I kind of i I, I want this to be i want this to be resolved at the deadline because if that deadline passes and he's still on this roster
1: oh boy
0: talking myself into all right i got to talk about Kevin Love trade possibilities for another four or five months here. That's going to drive me insane, Carter.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty out of gas on it as it is. like, I just haven't, I mean, in fairness, we really haven't spent too much time talking destinations at this point. Like, cause it's just like, well, we don't know what his value is. No one seems to, so let's just wait it out. Um, yeah, I I've really liked, um, what he's done the last couple of days. Uh, I do just think that this really does draw into, um, Pretty clear uh view what a good liar Kevin Love is. <laughs> <laughs> like when he's doing he turns on that charm, man. Woo. Oh yeah. No. Nope. He can talk us into bed whenever he wants. And, oh yeah, and, absolutely. And, and, and tell us just... he's got a, an appointment in the morning, so he can't stay over. Uh I just think that this is uh, you know, it's still gonna get ugly again. Um, but in the meantime, him playing the good soldier has been, been kind of refreshing, you know, it's It sucks having him be openly miserable. It makes the – you know, him lying to us about being happy to, you know, being a good soldier, uh, the definition of faking it till you make it. Because I'm having fun watching him play. uh, Because an engaged Kevin Love is really fun to watch. So, uh, even if it's not going to last, I'm going to count my blessings while they're here. Because I don't know about you, but in the midst of the huge, horrible pout fests, it was like you almost forget what's so fun about Kevin Love on your team. And, like, I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, he's super awesome and fun to have.
0: Yeah, I I needed that breath of fresh air. Uh, Probably no coincidence that Denver has been a team that's been mentioned as possibly being interested in him. Yeah, I can't Um, believe
1: he showed
0: up. (laughs) Yeah, big, big surprise that he showed up uh, against Denver. Um, I, I guess maybe there's some potential for that against these LA teams, but that's just not something that'll ever work from a salary standpoint. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot to say. Um, as you mentioned, we haven't spent a ton of time discussing destinations because there hasn't even been an Andre Drummond to Atlanta type rumor where, Hey, we know these teams are actively talking about it. Uh, the sun seemed to be brought up over and over again and, um, my what I would want for a turn certainly has gone down. I, I don't want to give up any assets. I, I want m- maybe a pick or a player worth caring about. Um, but I, I will take either or. I don't need both anymore. Um, I, I, I'm just ready to move on. And, ah, like, it, it certainly does help uh, that Darius Garland and Colin Sexton both oh. are playing a lot better recently. Um I hope Dante Exum gets over his flu very soon. Yeah. Well, oh
1: my God, this poor guy. Yeah. And I don't like I've that, ever that seen is this long of a missed time.
0: I mean, I've I've had a flu that's lasted this long, and it, it's not a lot of fun. Poor, but this is this is this is peak Dante Exum because it's not like he has one recurring injury or issue. It's just always little random shit, and he seems to probably be having little random shits. Um,
1: oh. That's- that was tough
0: (laughs) so uh hopefully he works his way back speaking of random shit what the hell is going on with this john henson antes visage thing
1: so yeah it's uh it's been weirdly underreported because no one reports on the cavaliers uh with any frequency so that actually isn't that weird um but yeah so henson has played great pretty much every time he's been out there i mean i haven't really seen any I've been pretty happy to see him on the floor at any given time, uh, and uh, he has been replaced by Zizic in the rotation. Uh, Bayline made some comment about reportedly made some comment about him just wanting the extra bulk to play Andre Drummond and um, and Jokic, but uh, it's pretty flimsy. I mean, I think there's pretty much no case to play Zizic, uh, who has been okay uh, in his minutes, uh, but I don't think there's any case to play Zizic over. Uh, Henson, from a basketball perspective, uh, do you? So, no. Uh, if you're trying to be the best possible team,
0: there there isn't a justification for that. Um, it is fun to kind of see him out there just because he is so big. Um, depending what the lineups are, sometimes it's like, okay, well, he's just grabbing every rebound and uh, teams are having trouble dealing with him because that's a legitimately big boy. Um But he's not a good defensive player. He he doesn't have the best basketball IQ. He's not always in in the right spots. Um, The only thing that I could really come up with is that some team has inquired about Ante usage as part of a package, whether that be with Kevin Love, whether that be with Brandon Knight, John Henson, whatever the case may be. And they needed to see some minutes out of them. They wanted to showcase him. Uh, Chops had also mentioned, which I think is a good theory, that teams have seen enough. Out of Henson, I think he even mentioned that Joe Varden said something about that that teams have seen enough out of Henson, and there just might be some
1: trepidation about playing him more minutes, given his injury history yeah uh, that that's when I've done any digging that I've done, you know again we don't we're not reporters here, but uh, when you ask around from people who might know something that that's the best uh, you know uh, idea that's been ventured is people saw enough of Henson that they feel comfortable. Sh- shopping him, now they want to showcase Zizic. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Which is
0: one of those tough moments where you have to just really come to terms with the fact that this season is not about this season. Um, Yeah, it
1: just doesn't feel worth, like, I just feel like, okay, yes, it makes sense to, I guess, protect Henson from an injury, but also he's a basketball player. Like, come on, that's flimsy. And I don't see a world where Zizic plays his way into trade value. So – is it worth the minimal chance that of protecting yourself from a minimal chance of an injury or the minimal chance of Zizic, uh, someone seeing something in zizich, to uh, further alienate your, to force your coach. Cause this would be a front office request to beeline, right. Mm-hmm. To, to, to risk further alienating your coach, um, uh, from the rest of the locker room who clearly knows <laughs> since a better player. And, yeah. uh, and pissing them off. Like, I feel like Beeline needs as many wins as he can get right now. So I, if I'm Kobe Altman, I, it just makes sense to me to do Beeline the favor. If that is indeed what's happening and say, just play Henson, make the guys happy. Uh, cause ultimately it's not going to make a difference to our trade season. Uh, and you need as many wins as you can get.
0: Yeah. I, this is one of those situations where I think the best solution would be if Kobe Altman just finds a trade now, like, get it done before the deadline. It, like if you could get two seconds, like let's say the Clarks are returned, would you, would you just do do that at this point?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: For Henson? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Right.
0: So if you can get that, do it now. Make things a little bit easier. And let's move on from there. Um, it seems like they are... Fairly deep in into um, trade talks with, with some teams. Uh, it, it sounds like Bobby Marks has mentioned it. Windhorse has mentioned it, where they've had a lot of talks, trade talks. It, not all have involved Kevin Love, uh, which makes sense given the number of veterans. I think Brandon Knight might be playing himself in, into some value here, uh, w- which is nice. He hasn't to see. been super bad. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, he's capable. And Boy loves himself a, a pull up three. He he loves himself some Brandon Knight, which can be fun when he is playing well. It's Brandon Knight time. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, just just making things easier from that perspective would be nice. because um, you're right, there there is no basketball reason for um playing Zizch over him. Like that that would be the most troubling thing is if John Bailan actually believed that which even if he told us that he thinks that uh, Zizic is the better player, I wouldn't believe him. Like I would believe that that would be front office speak because I, I don't think that this guy's an idiot. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those situations where I hope that gets resolved soon. Um, I, I hope. It, it's, it is a little sad because I think we all were really enjoying the John Henson experience. And yeah, it's kind of nice to have, a, have that going on. Yeah, he's a legitimate rim protector. And he, the team also seemed to have a good time like advertising him and mar- marketing him to the fans and, and they enjoyed John Henson as being part of the organization. And I, I think a lot of us were kind of saying, well, if they could bring back one of him or Tristan, that, that would be pretty nice. Um, but it, it does seem like the writing's on the wall that Henson will be gone within two or three weeks here.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it just makes sense. I mean, the reason you don't trade him now just to get him off the team, by the way, is that if you do go big game hunting and say, uh, you know, like there's a world in which you might trade Henson with love to a team like Sacramento, if you were going to take on a bunch of big, long money, like a dead man and a Barnes where all of a sudden that's like 40 million in salary. yeah, Uh, And maybe they need Henson as a sweetener to, give, give uh, Bogdanovich back or something along those lines. So it's hard to know uh, right now, uh, but I, I do think that it just seems like if you, while he's here, just go ahead and play him like the benefits of not playing him don't seem to outweigh the consequences though. Yeah. Ultimately this is not a huge deal. And I will say the fact that Knight's in the rotation again, who a guy who's clearly liked by the locker room, like that does, heal the wound a little bit that uh, Knight is getting minutes because the locker room seems to prefer that to one Matthew J. Delvadella. Oh my God. I made up that middle initial, by the way.
0: He is just, well, it's,
1: it's, it's kind of, what is it? Unplayable.
0: No, uh, what's, what's his middle name?
1: Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Go
0: research that. I, I find it very hard to believe that he has any J's anywhere in his identity. Um, (laughs) I will say it's kind of convenient timing. Um, well, yeah. of, <laughs> there you go. Um, it, it is convenient timing for KPJ to be out. Um, obviously, we're relieved. They, they updated the timeline to four to six weeks, which makes a lot of sense. I think everybody was kind of operating under the assumption that that's what it was going to be. Uh, the reevaluated in two weeks, uh, we've experienced that with Dylan Windler, um, and, yeah. is just missing. At,
1: yeah at he point. uh uh apb out for uh uh one boots windler um <laughs> god how how fun was that one step back in summer league though
0: oh my god no i i i still watch Don winler summer league highlights it uh, uh it, it keeps me warm in these cold cold winnipeg winters carter what but no it, it was it's, it, it's good timing because you, you do get a showcase night a little bit here and then uh KPJ will likely be back after the, the trade deadline uh where we really do need some reasons to be excited, uh, especially if we are mm-hmm. in that post Kevin Love uh reality. And um can hopefully I, can, it, I, yeah, can I say something a little mean? Oh god. Welcome back. Nothing. What do you have to
1: say? You know I haven't really missed that much. Who? Larry Nance. Kind of oh, forgot he. kind of for, mm-hmm. forgot he was hurt. The last I, couple of games didn't you tell me you didn't yeah i i did kind of forget he was ah, ha ha. that's all I, I just wanted to prove that i was right um yeah it I, wasn't that i don't like him it's just i i expected to feel his absence more
0: yeah and and he was playing a whole lot better um he, yeah
1: i don't think he's been playing poorly i'm just surprised i literally it sounds mean but i'm literally just surprised that i have not missed him
0: yeah, uh, I mean the young guys playing well is certainly a big part of that. Yeah. And Zizic uh,
1: having a couple of decent games and McKinney really.
0: I was uh, about to say McKinney's going, a McKinney has been really really uh, enjoyable. Um, he bar, he a,
1: barring some trade that brings in five bodies, um, I really would recommend uh, that the team keep McKinney for the rest of the year and keep him in the rotation. I yeah, just so, really like what he adds. He's he's the most athletic wing on the team by. Uh, a significant margin, the jumper has been good enough. uh, And the defense has actually been great. So I think he is worth keeping around and seeing what you got there and actually giving some minutes to.
0: Yeah. So I think the the takeaway for our listeners here is that what I think the Cavs are doing with waving McKinney and cook um, and signing them to these 10 day deals. um, I, I think you're going to see them do that a second time here. Um, it's basically to prevent them from having their contracts guaranteed for the rest of the season until after the trade deadline. Uh, They want to have as much flexibility as possible, but it does seem like um, as indicated by McKinney coming back, they they have a decent enough relationship. And there's an understanding that with the Cavs being so active in the trade market, there's a possibility where they are going to take, other guys back and maybe they end up waving one of those guys and keep McKinney instead. Uh, but I would strongly recommend keeping him because I, I do think that that's um, a productive, fun young presence there for the Cavs and uh, provides defense at, at, the small forward position, which is something we have not had a lot of.
1: Yeah. I think uh, who did he, did they put him on uh, Murray late in this game? Uh, no, it was uh, it was a uh, Derek Rose late in overtime. Yeah. And yeah, I thought he played really, really good defense in isolation. And it was boy, at the end of
0: regulation where he got yeah. the, the big stop.
1: God, you... <laughs> when they <laughs> – that, that deli play on Rose when they put him in for defense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the most unfair thing I've ever seen.
0: And I'm so done with that guy. It, yeah, it's, it's not his fault. Yeah, it's not his fault that he's on It's awful. Coach's fault. Yeah. Stop yeah. playing him. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He's doing his best. I, I mean, as this podcast has indicated, um, fathers of newborn children are, are generally terrible.
1: And wow, uh, they're not good at much. I'll t- I, I played basketball uh, yesterday and uh, was basically just running in quicksand the whole time. <laughs> Which yeah, I'm already pretty quicksandy as a player, so it's uh, it's
0: not a you're not trending in the right direction there. Here, no, it got not- worse. You know what? The the nicest thing about this last week or two here, um, actually basically since the Jordan Clarkson trade, like I, I've been pretty happy with the sex line experience since Jordan Clarkson ha, has been shipped out of town. Um, I, I think overall they've been playing pretty well and, and doing the type of things I'd like to see. Um, they're also making it so that we don't get sued for those damn t-shirts.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Better Business Bureau was really um, bearing down on us for uh, selling uh, excitement about the sex lane backcourt. Uh, so uh, you know, thanks guys uh, for playing a little bit better. Uh, yeah. boy, did we need it. <laughs> yes, because I, I still I still
0: believe that they can be fun as a tandem, even if it isn't um, as a starting, starting tandem. I, I think that there can be periods where they do play well, and um, yeah, they just
1: got to play exactly like they played against Denver and not any other way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I really hope stuff. that. You know, it's one of those things where uh, you, as a fan, you kind of look for progress and treat it linearly, uh, which is not a word, but fuck off. Um, I just think, like, if I am the Cavs' front office and coaching staff, that's the only good tape I show them ever again. <laughs> this. Do this. Because this is the way we make this work long-term. Because Sexton can, will have good scoring games, um, but not – good scoring games like that yeah uh, well, and like that is the is a is doing a lot of work for us uh and I really hope that I hope that Sexton and Garland viewed it that way too you know I hope that they they look at that game and say that felt right let's try to replicate that
0: yeah I I hope that that really resonated with them and it's not necessary to keep showing them the film because I think the Cavs would do well to avoid film sessions for a little bit um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I agree. I I think putting, I mean, if Colin Sexton was put in a role where we're not asking him to create for other people and, and just kind of that, Hey, go out there and score, do your thing. I think that he can kind of earn, work his way back into being that endearing presence that I think a lot of us uh, ended up buying into, like I I bought into, I jumped on the Colin Sexton bandwagon and I think that he can be an effective scorer. So um, I really hope that that does continue to keep trending in that direction. And I, cause it, if it trends in that direction, it means that Darius Garland is continuing to be kind of a steady presence as a playmaker, which we really do need to see.
1: And uh, let me be clear. Um, just uh, cause I think we're pretty good at eating crow when we're wrong. Oh, yeah. I do want to note that we weren't wrong when we were frustrated earlier in the year. If he, if he plays like this the rest of the year and we're, on the Sexton bandwagon, it doesn't mean that we weren't wrong earlier in the year. No, like he I, couldn't play the way he was playing
0: that that's why I usually am a little careful, and I'll, I say currently he projects to be this. I don't say, "Hey, this guy is definitively going to be this because then you're married to that take, and then you have to yeah. be like a Boston sports radio personality where um did, did you did you see how that went today, Carter?
1: Uh, the Kelsey tweet?: Yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, for those that don't know, um, apparently this guy was also a Patriots backup quarterback. I don't know anything about NFL. Um, but he's also employed by the Patriots. He basically called Travis Kelsey a pussy and said he's not a tight end. Then he caught three touchdowns, <laughs> and the guy was still tweeting through it. So you you absolutely – you just – you hate to see that. But, no, Carter and I, we, we give the analysis without letting our biases take complete control, even yeah. though they, they are omnipresent.
1: And our bias is always uh, hoping that they're good.
0: <laughs> that is, the, you know what? Honestly, that's the most wild thing is when people think I actively root against a Cavs it's player. It's so
1: funny. Like, all we want is for Colin Sexton to, to figure it
0: out. <laughs> like, what a it, win. Accusing me of not being an optimist is just a wild Well, tip. yeah. I
1: mean, it's okay to accuse me of being a pessimist, but never accuse me of not wanting better.
0: <laughs> Carter, you know what this was a lot of fun it was great having you back um, buddy. man i meant to do this at the beginning of the podcast but i i want to give another call out to the chase down nation if any of you live in minneapolis or the minneapolis area and you want to go to the raptors game with me on saturday hit me up
1: email chasedownpod at gmail.com
0: i got an extra ticket come sit with me and my brother it'd
1: be a lot of fun
0: yeah uh, i mean
1: it, i know that a lot of you might be a little uncomfortable being around uh, such a controversial personality as Jules Rowan. Um, somehow the more problematic Rowan brother. Um, but uh, uh, I- I'm certainly sad I'm not close by to-, to sneak in and snake that ticket.
0: Oh, yeah. Because we-, we all know, Carter, that if you were close by, you would always make the, the drive to come see me.
1: Listen, pal. Chill.
0: Oh, this was so much fun! It's great to be talking to you again, Carter. Thank you to all of our listeners. Um, if you guys want to support us, you can do so by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, and resubscribe. If you want to be part of our Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail dot com, and we would be more than happy to send you a link. For those that don't know, Discord is uh, an app where we kind of have our own little community going. Uh, mailbag questions. Game threads and just random BS,
1: kind of like probably, Slack.
0: Yeah, it's like Slack, but a little, I, I enjoyed a little bit more. Um, you can also support us by going to the Chase Down Premium, which is if you want to donate to us and support us directly. Ninety nine cents for the first month, five bucks a month after that. Uh, you get access to our premium feed, which is a bunch of bonus smaller podcasts. I do a weekly rookie report where. Uh, talk about the week uh not rookie report but youth report where i talk about the week from all the Cavs young players uh the guys that i consider part of the young core uh we also do mailbags and other stuff there emergency podcasts um so if you want to support us google chase down premium support us that way however you choose to support us though we really do appreciate it it means the world to us uh, especially with papa rodriguez here he, he needs all the money
1: he can get uh so yeah, i gotta pay i gotta keep paying for the cleveland.com tech service guys come on <laughs>
0: that's right I you, you
1: support uh our our purchasing of that
0: yeah well <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to um sell it as support us. So, yeah so support us so we can support feed or um uh, but you know what we, we appreciate it no matter no matter what your motivations are it really does mean the world to us so thanks to all our listeners thanks to carter until next time go cap